This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, got to tell you, once again, real estate is the hottest topic in the news, at least in our ballpark. You're tuned in to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and lots to talk about today. Uh, Coming up a little bit later in the hour, I've got Minutes with the Mayor, and joining me is the Mayor of the Town of Orangeville, and it is Mr. Jeremy D. Williams. He'll be joining me in a little while, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, Orangeville is one of those areas that a lot of people are not that familiar with. You know, a lot of people pass through it on Highway 10 going up to, let's say, Collingwood, Barrie. Uh, a little bit north of Caledon there, but interesting stuff going on up there. Lots of development and, you know, really a nice community. So we are going to be uh, talking with the uh, mayor on our Minutes with the Mayor in a little while. Is condominium insurance going to go up over the next little while? Well, I'm going to bring in an expert, Michael Applebaum from Ideal Insurance Brokers. He's going to be joining me and we're going to be talking about insurance and condominiums. And, you know, a lot of you have heard me say the sky is falling in Toronto. And what I mean by that, of course, is a lot of the plate glass that comes out of some of these buildings. And eventually when it smashes down onto the earth, it does create a little bit of an expense. But what happens if somebody actually gets hurt or injured or for that matter, killed from something like this? I'm going to put it to Michael. I want to find out. According to uh, some reports, it's getting harder and harder for condominiums to get insurance, in fact, in the downtown core. And we're going to talk about that because uh, really important for you to know. Also, what about this bubble? That uh, six-letter word, and everybody has been trying to predict a bubble in the Toronto real estate market for years. In fact, some economists every single year bring out the fact that it's this year is the year of the bubble. We're going to burst. We're going to burst. We're going to burst. Well, I have a real problem with this, and quite frankly, I'm going to call it a whole bunch of hooey to the fact that these people have to get their heads around one thing. Just because inventory drops, and inventory is not the indication when it drops of a bubble. It's normally an economic downturn, too much supply, something major has to happen to create a bubble. Fortunately, uh, somebody that is agreeing with my opinion on this is former Toronto Real Estate Board President Diane Usher. And uh, she stated this week, actually, in the Toronto Star article that, uh, you know, compared to other world markets, Toronto is still good value. And I know a lot of you are sitting there saying, hey, Todd, hang on, I can't buy in Toronto right now. It's so expensive. Well, you know what you should do? Go online just for fun and Google some properties for sale in New York, San Francisco, Boston, uh, Tokyo, you know, some of the areas that are deemed world markets and you'd be surprised. You get absolutely nothing for the price that we pay here in Toronto. And listen, I'm not agreeing that we should be forcing the prices up. This is an inventory plate. We are struggling with it. But th- we got to stop screaming bubble just because we see things such as inventory drop, prices go up. Well, that's called supply and demand. I don't know if it, many of you went through Christmas with the whole Hatchimal craze. And, uh, you know, I've got a young daughter. And fortunately, I avoided that one because she she didn't even have a Hatchimal on her radar. But there was a lot of people that did. 
So this little animal for $70 that you could buy back in September, all of a sudden started getting $1,000, $2,000 come Christmas, so supply and demand. The company didn't build enough of these things. So everybody that bought them up all of a sudden say, hey, I can sell it and buy my kids better toys. So that's what ended up happening. Now, of course, you know, a company will turn around and now they can build a lot more. And now the price is going to go back to normal. And if you want to buy a hatchling for around uh, Easter time, you probably pay a, re a regular price on it. Well, here's the problem with the Toronto real estate market. Market. We can't do that. Okay, right now we are infill only. We can only build at a certain rate. There's only so many building permits issued. You know, we keep looking at the uh, the, the skyline and we see lots of cranes. But have you ever noticed how long a vacant piece of property will sit there? So it's not like we're all of a sudden going to have this surge where we turn around and say, hey, let's get three building crews going this week, uh, you know, throughout the night, go 24 hours. We're going to build more so we can take, get rid of this demand. It's not going to happen. In fact, reality states the fact that we are not going to have an oversupply of inventory in Toronto. With the current amount of people that are migrating, immigrating, coming into the area, you know what? There's always going to be a demand. And so this is why we have to keep a realistic look at the values that we're establishing right now in Toronto. Hey, listen, we've got a seminar coming up at our new head office coming up May 25th. The one in April, completely full, can't take any more people on, but May 25th, we've got the Simple Seminar. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to make sure you register because uh, we're running out of space on that one too. So folks, um, we're a little bit tighter this this time and uh, make sure that you get in. But now I've got Dave Butler joining me and uh, all of you are familiar with Dave, of course. You've heard of Butler Mortgage and Dave is a regular here and joins us and thanks for joining us today, Dave. Thanks very much, Todd. Appreciate it. You know, we can talk about the market. We can talk about what's going on. I'm not sure that uh, you and I can make sense of things anymore. But one of the important things that I thought I'd discuss with you today, obviously, is, uh, you know, the Fed changed, new announcement. What do you think? Who knows what's, you know, likely to happen down the pipe down here in Canada. We've got obviously the U.S. You know, making some moves and some upward movements on the rates. Everybody says that Canada follows the U.S., um, you know, although what will the timing be? Uh, you know, I don't deny that. I think there is certainly a pattern of us following them or our economies following them. Um, however, timing seems to be the big issue. Well, you know, and one of the things, Dave, uh, you know, we've been, we, if you follow the Bank of Canada, they are still very leery of touching our rates because, you know, we saw fluctuation like crazy this week in oil. You know, one minute they're up, one minute they're down. The dollar's like a, I mean, look, it's, it's a good teeter-totter. It's keeping everybody on their toes. But, you know, more importantly, we're still, um, even though, you know, we did add, add some jobs last month, we're still kind of underperforming as a country. Absolutely. I mean, without a doubt, you know, obviously the one thing the Bank of Canada makes pretty clear is that uh, I don't believe they see any any hikes in the for you know in the, in the future coming up. Um, certainly, you know, is there only really room for it to go up? The answer is yes. Uh, when uh, I certainly think we're a little bit behind. I mean, Central Canada is still suffering, um, you know, obviously from some of the job losses, uh, you know, and obviously out in the West we're seeing uh, certainly some some uh, kind of downward movement in some of the price of the real estate market. So that's generally when you've got one side of the country super hot and the other side kind of seeing some negative response and you've got the middle of the country suffering from jobs, that's not generally a type of market where the government's going to want to increase interest rates. So let's talk interest rates because it's, you know, a big part of your field. Um, are there still attractive rates out there for people? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly the variable rate, as we're talking about with the Bank, the bank of Canada prime rate, um, variable rates are super attractive right now. Uh, we're seeing as low as the, you know, on the high ones, low twos, uh, which is fantastic. We've seen kind of, you know, a very interesting thing playing out with the fixed rates, uh, as we saw a bit of a spike at the end of the year last year, which was somewhat expected by most people that had seen a pattern for the last three or four years. And then we've actually slowly, slowly, though, started to see them come a little bit back down. We saw actually a 0.05 reduction from some of the major lenders in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, very small reduction, but a reduction nonetheless. So anytime that arrow is pointing down, that's a good thing, I think, for all of us. Uh, but certainly, some attractive five-year fixed rates still in the mid-twos uh, to uh, three-quarter twos. Um, so certainly, interest rates are keeping this market going, that's for sure. And uh, if we can stay under three for the rest of the spring and summer and even see a bit more downward, I think we're going to see a fantastic year here in Ontario. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because you and I, you know, we whipped out our crystal balls every once in a while and we've been talking about the spring market. And now that we're coming full-fledged into it, you know, middle of March, I always deem to be, you know, you're fully into a spring market. And, um, you know, you and I talked about this, that, you know, back in the fall when we watched TD and RBC, you know, take their own personal rates there up a little, you know, one of our comments, of course, was the fact that, hey, listen, come springtime, we normally start to see it trickle back down because, you know, this is this is quint- the quintessential time for families to start moving, and this is when they start talking rates. Without a doubt. And I think the banks have started to see, and I think it's just also something in terms of Canadians, we've come, become a little more uh, cyclical in terms of when we like to purchase real estate and sell real estate. As you know, Todd, there's a lot of realtors out there that will actually tell a client not to, set, not to list a home in December and January, wait until the spring. So what happens is when you've got this you know, robust amount of business being done in about six to seven months of the year on the real estate side, you see the banks decide that they're going to fight for that. And so when you see the slowdown kind of usually happen in the, in the winter in the real estate market, the banks appear to not want to necessarily fight for the business. And that's, we've seen a bit of rates creep up. As soon as the spring comes in, though, as we've seen cyclically, the banks are going to start to fight each other soon for this big chunk of business coming up. And that ends up ultimately leading to some lower rates. Certainly, it would be ignorant of us to ignore the bond yields, but we're saying all things kept equal, the rates should technically come down the spring and summer simply by the fact that the banks are going to now lay down the gauntlet and start to fight for that big chunk of business. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I like your analogy about that because it makes a lot of sense and you know, it almost it's like watching the horse races, right? You know, which 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 one are you going to pick to be the winner and, and, and you know, so some, some of the different lenders win by a nose, but it's still in the benefit of the of the borrower. So, 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah, so interesting Interesting stuff. Um, you know, foreign buyer tax, um, you know, being tabled potentially here in Ontario. Do you think you're going to have, uh, do you think it's going to upset the market? Uh, you know, all we, I think all we can really do is look at what it's done to Vancouver. And I, I've spoke to some mortgage brokers out there. Um, they have told me certainly activity is down. They're even seeing some reductions in pricing. Um, so certainly just based on that, I think if a foreign tax was to come in um, by nature, it could slow things down slightly. I don't believe that would make you know foreign buyers not want to purchase in Canada. I believe that would just push them off to the next province that's not taxing them. 
yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, anyways, Dave, always a pleasure having you on. Um, you know, always lots to talk about. So, we'll definitely have you back. And, um, you know, let's keep our eye on this. Thank you very much, Todd. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, folks. That was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Remember, you can go to butlermortgage.ca. Hey, listen, got some great guests that are going to be joining me this hour. Again, we've got the mayor of Orangeville, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams. He'll be joining me in a little while. And on top of that, I'm going to have Michael Applebaum from Ideal Insurance. Are you curious? Are your insurance rates going up with your condominium? Well, you know what? You'll find out more when we come back right after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, what happens when you have a major catastrophe happen near your condominium building? Does it reflect on your insurance if things have to be repaired because of that? And what about falling glass in some of these buildings? What if somebody gets hurt injured, killed, or something like that. So instead of me guessing at it, I decided to bring in an expert. And uh, it is Mr. Michael Applebaum from Ideal Solution Insurance Brokers. And Michael, thanks for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Michael, you know, big in the news, Young and St. Clair Badminton Racket Club of Toronto went up. But there was a lot of runoff, things like water, you know, the ac- people needing access in some of these condominium buildings. You know, maybe you and I can talk about today condominium insurance. First and foremost, you know, we all we know that condominiums must have insurance. But who pays for this and what ends up happening in the long run? Mm-hmm. It's a, a very good question. People don't think about this. When you, uh, you see these big fires like this, people look on the news and they see smoke billowing into neighboring properties and they see dozens of hose spraying thousands of gallons of water. And, and so you're right. What happens to all the properties that are affected by this, but not directly, but indirectly by all of, uh, all of these things? You also have an issue not only of smoke and water damage, but you, like you said, you've also got uh, the city fire department closing access to buildings. The immediate concern for condo owners who are living in their units and for tenants is where am I going to stay? So you often see sometimes there'll be a fire in a building and people are displaced. Well, for those who have purchased condo insurance or tenants insurance, they'll have coverage on their policy called additional living expenses. It steps in if the property or the unit is deemed unfit for occupancy due to an insured peril. So in this case, if smoke had been billowing in through uh, openings and and the unit was deemed unfit or you're on a lower level and water had penetrated your unit and it just the insurer said you can't live here uh, that coverage will provide coverage for you to stay in a hotel it may cover other related expenses for you to live elsewhere while it's being repaired uh, some of these depending on the insurer will even go as far as to pay some meals sometimes temporary gym memberships or even maintenance fees for your condo that you're not living in. Right. This is one of the reasons condo owners will always have condo insurance. Um, it's often required, particularly by the mortgagee. Right. But tenants often don't think about this. You know, a lot of tenants, we work with a lot of investors. And, you know, in, in most cases, a lot of people aren't aware that they can ask a tenant for their tenant insurance slip. If the tenant does not have 
tenant insurance and the tenant has to be moved out because of this precarious situation, then is the tenant then responsible for covering their own expenses or do they come back on the landlord and say, hey, I'm paying you rent, so you need to pay for it? That's a good question. This is a very common misconception. Tenants often think, well, I'm paying for rent, so my landlord will take care of me. And in fact, that's not the case. The tenant is on their own. The landlord is responsible for making sure that they have their own policy to cover any betterments and improvements that they've made to their unit and for liability relating to the use of the unit. But the tenant does have to cover their own personal property, their own liability coverage, and their own things like additional living expenses. So a landlord can and absolutely should require a tenant to provide proof of insurance every year to make sure that this doesn't become an issue. The other thing I'll mention is there's also in that additional living expense, there's typically coverage for uh, if access is prohibited by a civil authority. So some of these buildings may not have been damaged, but the fire department said it's a dangerous scene. You cannot come in here. Right. And it may be one day. It could be a week. Yeah, they, um, they did mention, I think some people are able to occupy, but they did, at least lost one or two nights. Yeah. And so if they had to go stay in a hotel, if they had to go to a restaurant, if they had to go farther than usual to get to work, things like that, their insurer may pick up those costs under the additional living expense. But it is a very common misconception of tenants that the landlord will cover all of these things. So, Michael, let's let's talk about something that I think is in the future of condominiums and it's, and is a concern, and I alluded to it when I began, was the fact that, you know, we've got issues with some of these bigger buildings, some of these newer buildings, you know, you, I'm sure you hear of it with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the glass dropping, Definitely. you know, and unfortunately, you know, not to be a bearer of bad news, there's going to be a time where somebody will get probably severely injured or even perhaps killed. You know, this for the condominium insurance, and, and again, uh, you know, we know that it's, there are struggles for people getting condominium insurance. And is this going to be something in the future where, you know, maybe some buildings just can't get insured or is there going to be you know major lawsuits against the actual condominium courts <clears throat> that's an interesting question it has definitely already happened now we have to understand the difference between the unit owner and the condo corp so the unit owner's insurance is responsible for their unit their personal property their personal liability right uh the condo corp's insurance insures the actual building so all of the uh, common areas the physical building basically the walls until the paint. And yeah, there are a lot of markets that uh, used to compete quite a bit for insuring condo buildings, and it's very difficult to come by now. In fact, a lot of the specialty markets, so not your kind of what we would call your standard markets, uh, have stepped in and are now offering coverage through uh, specialty insurers for condo buildings. And the number one cause of loss is water damage. You know, they say, I know we saw a big fire, but water is the new fire, as they say. Sure. The second uh, most common that you alluded to is liability. It's not just your slip and falls, but it's windows and railings falling off of buildings and, and things like that. And so when we look at that, so so everybody has a good understanding is the condominium fees that you pay, when you own a condominium, you're actually a percentage owner of the condominium. So you're part and parcel of the condominium because you own the one unit, which means you're responsible for the condominium fees that are being paid for your actual unit. In fact, if you don't pay your condominium fees, then they can actually put a lien against your property. So if insurance rates go up, then that's going to affect adversely your condominium fees? It could absolutely. I mean, you may see, you could see uh, certain buildings that, you know, if you're in a building that's not terribly well maintained, or maybe it's a new building built by a a builder who's had issues before, 
um, you could see your condo fees uh, go up significantly to account for these increases in premiums. Right, or a special assessment or something, sure. Well, a special assessment would come up in the event that there was a loss sure. where the uh, condo corp did not have sufficient insurance to cover the loss. Um, and yeah, that can definitely be an issue too. So any condo owner's policy would have some coverage for special assessments. Excellent. Well, listen, Michael, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. We definitely would like to have you back and and talk more about it. And it's been a real pleasure. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, that was Mr. Michael Applebaum from Ideal Solution Insurance Brokerage. And when I come back, minutes with the mayor, I've got the Orangeville mayor, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams joining me. So stay with us. Right back, right after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Great information from Michael Applebaum there. I hope that everybody caught what he was saying when we start talking about tenant insurance. You know, I don't think a lot of people that rent realize how important it is for them to have their own insurance policy. But as Michael had uh, mentioned, when you have insurance, uh, it takes care of you and your personal effects. When your landlord has insurance, it just simply means that if the kitchen uh, goes up in flames, it gets replaced. It takes care of the actual shell of the unit. So keep in mind, you are responsible for your own insurance in situations like this. If there was damage to your goods, The landlord's not going to be responsible. So for all of our tenants listening, I really hope that you caught that. This week, what is really cool is that uh, we're going to do an extension of our segment of Minutes with the Mayor. I would think most of you have heard of Orangeville, beautiful town just north of the city. Highway 10, great pass to get up there if you're on your way up to Collingwood. Most of you have driven through it over the years. And uh, joining me now is Mayor of Orangeville, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams, and Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Todd, for inviting me here. It's a great time to be here. You know, I always like to do a lot of homework on on some of the marketplaces, but I've known Orangeville for years. Uh, You know, I've been always heading north. uh, I'm a cottager and always, you know, a pleasure going up through the hills and and, and valleys of Highway 10 there. It's a very scenic area. It is. It's beautiful, you know, and I don't know, you know, if people really take advantage of some of the vistas that you have up there. It's really quite incredible. We have such beautiful nature around us, and that's one of the things about Orangeville that is truly unique. You know, we're close enough to the city, we're close enough to Brampton, to Mississauga, that if you've got to go to the city, you're there. It's like 30, 40 minutes away, and yet you're surrounded by this incredible biosphere. Uh, We have Island Lake that's literally right on our doorstep, the Bruce Trail. There's so many outdoor activities, and yet we have all the things that you would need to live. You know, we've we've got the Home Depots and, and the Walmarts. We're kind of a regional hub for shopping. The things that we have in our town are not what you'd expect in a town of 30,000. Restaurants, we have so many restaurants that have been featured on You've Got to Eat Here and another. They're that good, and yet we're just a small community of 30,000. When you take a look at Orangeville, it's got a small town feel to it, as, as you mentioned. Very much. But more importantly, now you've, you're definitely coming into you know, the new level of you know, shopping. And then literally on the outskirts, you know, there's a place like Mono Mills. And you know, I don't know if a lot of our listeners have been there, but spectacular. It's not far from 
from you at all. And it is. And, and this is not just a biased mayor saying about how great their town is. You know, the urban planners of Canada decided to have a competition and they wanted to look at all of Canada to see what was the best street in in all of Canada. So we're talking about some very picturesque Atlantic uh, towns all sure. the way to British Columbia. Yep. And there was, uh, there was two aspects to this competition. One was kind of a people's choice, which we won. And the other one, we had 12 very talented, very knowledgeable urban planners who looked straight across Canada. And they determined that Orangeville had the prettiest, the best, nice. So it was voted the best street in all of Canada. Wow. And, and that just speaks to, you know, that's not my bias as a mayor. This is all across Canada. This is a truly unique, wonderful town. And I wish our, our listeners could actually see the energy that's coming off you right now, because I'm looking at the, you know, smile on your face. And, you know, and I agree, you know, uh, with our segment here, Minutes with the Mayors, we've been able to interview some wonderful mayors. As you know, there's some great municipalities out there. Um, and But it's it's very interesting because, you know, when we have the urban sprawl that's happening, and I would, I, I'm going to ask you obviously about real estate because, you know, we're starting to see the effect in Orangeville where we see, you know, developers coming in. Yes. Um, it seems that there's no shortage of people wanting to move to Orangeville. No, and it's very much a seller's market. And that's one of the things that's truly unique about Orangeville and the GTA is that many different towns and municipalities, they're very much uh, growing as quick as they can. It's almost a wholesale or factory style growth as far as putting up as much as you can, as quick as you can. Orangeville's probably the only municipality in the GTA who's been able to control that. And so we do grow. We are growing, but it's a very slow controlled rate. And quite frankly, that's what our residents want. Our citizens like the town that we have. They like the small town feel. It's got a real heart and a soul and a center. Unlike many of the other towns, we have as many people come into Orangeville to work as leave. And so that helps build that dynamic of a very solid, strong community. So great point, because, um, you know, when when we talk about living in areas, we talk about employment, obviously. So you made a great point saying that, you know, people are going out, but people are coming in. What kind of industries do you have in Orangeville? Who are your major employers there? This is one of the great things. We have a whole bunch of different sectors. So we have determined through economic development that we are focusing on food production. We're kind of ideally located between the huge market of the Golden Horseshoe GTA sure. and to the north, the agricultural farmland. So we felt that this was a, a, a smart thing to do. We have the largest producer of goat cheese in Orangeville. They call that their home. And we just recently have uh, a new quality cheese uh, that moved from Vaughan to Orangeville. And, and there's some other news that's coming out shortly. We have food production. But, you know, we've also done things like we've done the engineering for these special stainless steel bolts that went on the space shuttle. Right. We do these components to go into cars for airbags. So it is a very varied kind of industrial base, but also there's a lot of retail. There's also a lot of professional. We have Burnside Engineering, which provides engineering solutions across Canada. And you also have a very good hospital. Yes. If you were to go to just on numbers, our hospital is actually our largest employer. We're putting in a new expansion. It's heavily supported by our community through fundraising and the quality of service that's at Headwaters Healthcare Centre. It's from the whole area that people are coming to our hospital. So an awful lot of good features to being in Orangeville. Folks, if you're just tuning in with me is Mayor Jeremy D. Williams. He is the mayor of the town of Orangeville. You know, we're having a little discussion, a little bit about the, you know, economic effects in Orangeville. And of course, uh, Mr. Mayor, I'm going to, you know, um, in our next segment, because you've been gracious enough to say you're going to stay with me for, for two seconds, 
segments, um, you know, definitely we're going to drill down some of the real estate. I want to know who's moving in. But, you know, when, when, when we take a look at the parameter of Orangeville, you know, uh, geographically, um, you know, you're, you're, I know your south end really is, is Caledon. You're almost kind of extend over to Holland Marsh area. Is that, is that correct? Like, because you, you're very close to the agricultural part. So how far over? What is the parameters of Orangeville? Orangeville itself, it kind of spills out over to the surrounding municipalities, as you suggest, into Mono and into Amaranth. And there are kind of little satellite communities around Orangeville. You know, we've really tried hard to keep it a cohesive community. So rather than big subdivisions, we've really tried to have it so that there's shopping, there's business, there's industry. There's a really a a good mix. And that's been uh, very important. Our citizens also, they don't want to see lots and lots of growth. We have almost, and I am biased, but we have almost the perfect town as far as I'm concerned. I, I visit a lot of towns in Ontario. Sure. And honestly, that is such a good town. We want to make it better, but we don't want to ruin it. The big subdivisions, all that kind of stuff, we're not going to see that. Uh, the provincial government has also realized our special and unique character and that we are surrounded by this rich, internationally recognized biosphere. So they want to protect that. It's very slow, controlled growth. The real estate market is a seller's market. It is fairly strong because right. so many people want to live here. You know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Um, I, you know, I'm going to ask you a few a few questions because I w- I'd like to know what's going to happen in five years in Orangeville. I want to know what's on the town planning. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mayor Jeremy D. Williams from Orangeville. And I'm going to also ask his opinion of uh, Frank Scarpetti, the mayor of Markham, standing up for no foreign buyer tax. You know, this is one of those pet peeves that I have when uh, when the province started flirting with this and started saying, hey, let's bring it in. Let's uh, let's shut down some foreign buyers. You, you know what happened in Vancouver. Well, you know what? I'm going to get uh, Mayor Williams' uh, comment on it when we come back after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Simply Real Estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in for my guest this week, it is Mayor Jeremy D. Williams. You're listening to Minutes of the Mayor right here on Simply Real Estate. And uh, Mr. Mayor, I noticed that uh, you also carry a camera with you. I have to tell you, that's very unique. <laughs> yeah, it is. As far as I know, I'm the only mayor in the world that does a daily vlog. And so what a vlog is, is just a video. So every day I, I do a new video and I really encourage people, they want to see more about Orangeville, they can check out my vlog on YouTube. They go to YouTube and they just search for Mayor Jeremy Williams or Mayor of Orangeville. Pretty well anything will find me. And it's really a good way for people to see what I do in a day. So it, it's not really political. It's just a day life of... Yeah. That's right. And and you're going to see some great shots of Orangeville. Excellent. Well, good to know that you've got that. So folks, make sure that you uh, do search that out and you're going to know more about Orangeville. Now, Mr. Mayor, we were talking a little bit earlier, obviously, about all the positive attributes of Orangeville. One of the things in the news uh, in the last year, of course, has been foreign buyers. And um, just this past week, um, we've had uh, Mayor Frank Scarpetti out of Markham join us uh, in the right. past. And you know what? They Markham, they decide to stand up and say, listen, we don't want foreign buyer tax. And so um, I'm going to give you a two-part question here. Okay. Um, do you have a lot of foreign investors coming into Orangeville that you're aware of right now? Or do you feel that it's more destiny buyers, meaning that they're coming in for the destination to live there? Most people, when they see Orangeville, when they come to Orangeville, they want to live there. 
<laughs> okay. It's really that simple. Sure. And of course, I mean, every municipality in the GTA is going to have some of those people that want to buy it just as an investment, whether it be foreign or, or local. We, we do see that, but not a lot. It's primarily people that come to our town, often for one of our events. We have lots of events throughout the year. They come, they see it. And I, I speak to so many people who six months later, they say, hey, you know, we really loved it. Sure. We wanted to, to make that part of our lifestyle. And, and then they move there. Everyone has to be careful when they start trying to control a market. We're in a free market system. And when you start putting these different taxes and, and barricades, it's never a good way to go as far as I'm concerned. I think you should let the market dictate itself. itself. You know, obviously, um, you know, last year in August, um, you know, Vancouver, um, which, you know, most people deem to be a very overheated market, very low in inventory, a lot of foreign buyers. You know, they always said it was a lot of Chinese buyers coming into the marketplace. Yeah, it's been I, upside down. Yeah, I don't know if you actually had a conversation with the mayor out there there in, Van- in the city of Vancouver. But when they when they implemented it, actually, we brought on, uh, you know, a, a few people from the marketplace and um, somebody from the opposition. And they said, you know, big mistake. Um, the market was already in a little bit of a, uh, you know, a turnaround on its own naturally. And then this ended up affecting people in general. As a mayor of a municipality, um, does it make sense? I mean, you know, this was a provincially mandated thing. I personally think that the the mayors should have a little bit more control. You know, I'm a big fan of you know uh, mayors being able to because y- you have a you have a much better pulse on what's actually going on yeah, than let's if, say a premier. If there's one person that knows their municipality well, right. it's going to be the mayor. And so that high level government sort of interference, it's always done with good intentions, but it doesn't always work out. Now, you mentioned British Columbia and Vancouver; they're under a lot of pressure from the, the Chinese bringing money in, and that's that's the thing. It's it's a way of for the Chinese people to bring money into Canada. Is this something that we should fight against, rail against, or maybe the better way is to let the market sort it out? As long as other peoples are bringing money into our country, that in itself is a good thing. I mean, yeah, when sure. people throw money at you, maybe you should yeah. not throw it back at them. No, I agree. And, you know, one of the things, though, is that, you know, there, there, I think there's a huge difference, and I always like to clarify this for our listeners, is there's a difference between somebody that's immigrating to Canada and somebody that's a foreign investor. So somebody sure. immigrating from China, for instance, they are setting up home, they're setting up their family, going to school, adding to the economy. Yes. And then, of course, you've got the people that are, you know, mailing address still remains in a foreign country and only have money placed here. So, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, had a conversation with most of our guests is the fact that, you know, if they're here just to speculate to make some money to flip, then let's tax them on the way out. Don't tax them on the way in. It's okay. Bring your money in, but on the way out, if you're going to make money, we're going to get fr- we're going to get money from it. And, yeah. and I think that that would be a positive way of doing it. But by all means, don't limit people coming in. Again, you you have to get back to there's large sums of money coming into our country. This is a good thing. I mean, if you stand back and look at it, it's a good thing. Does it present special challenges as far as people being displaced from the you know the more popular uh, central sections of of a city? Yes, that is a a problem. But you have to understand the market has ways of, of figuring this stuff out. And, and if enough people buy properties and they sit empty and they sit vacant, the value is going to go down and then people will start moving back in. And guess what? That money, that cash is still within our country. So yeah. from a, a broader, you know, 10,000 foot view, it's still a positive thing for us that this money is coming to our shores. I wish it was coming in other ways, sure. but at least it's coming here. Yeah. And listen, investment is never a bad thing. And I know a lot of our listeners are saying, yeah, but hang on, it's driving the prices up. But 
you know, if we when when Treb analyzed actually the numbers, just so you know, in the GTA market, they claim that they believe that there's only about a three point eight to four point two um, percent of foreign investors, period, in basically the, the you know better part of the GTA market. So that's a that's a that's a number that you know most people thought. Listen, it's got to be way higher than that. You know, automatically everybody was saying, oh, it's got to be twenty thirty percent similar to Vancouver, which actually almost ta- tapped out around 50%. You know, I'm not surprised that we don't have the same foreign investment, but we've got the big immigration. So everybody that comes to Canada, majority of people want to land in the GTA. Well, Toronto's this huge, enormous magnet. It's kind of the center of the country in so many different ways. So I can't imagine being somewhere else in Canada. This is the center. This is where, you know, the financial industry, the manufacturing tech, there's so many things in this area. Again, though, we get back to, you know, if you imagine everybody buys this real estate and then people are displaced because they need more real estate, so then there's more building and so that helps our economy. And guess what? There's more people employed and we're all doing uh, very much better. So I don't think that we should focus on these little blips that happen in any market. And every market does that. Every market has a little bit of a blip. But that's not going to be forever. I think we've seen that surge. It's kind of petering out and uh, I don't like meddling too much in the market. For those of you just tuning in, uh, you're listening to myself, Todd C. Slater, and my special guest today, Mayor Jeremy D. Williams, and he is the mayor of the town of uh, Orangeville. Mr. Mayor, you know, one of the things that, um, fortunately for yourself, you have a good crystal ball on the town, and, um, you know, looking at the next five years, what can people look towards for Orangeville? What's going to happen over the next five years? I'm hopeful that we can continue in the path that we've come down so far, and that is controlled growth, making sure that any development uh, and makes sense for our town. I speak to developers on a regular basis that want to build in our town, and I always say the same thing to them. I say, if you're going to build a quality product, I want it to look really nice. You're going to have success selling it, and so I want to continue along that, where any new developments are top quality. It's going to make our town an improvement, and that's my focus, bringing those quality employers, anything that we can do to improve our lifestyle for our residents. To me, that's key, and it's paid dividends because people People will come to our town. They'll see it. Uh, we've had executives come for the day, and then they end up, you know, moving, putting an office there. That sort of. I want to see that continuing. So I don't see a big explosive growth. Uh, the province has also said with their Places to Grow Act that it's going to be a controlled growth simply because of our, our beautiful natural environment that we find ourselves in. Right. So the next five years is going to be a very slow, steady growth. Some of the areas to the north of us, Shelburne, Grand Valley, they're seeing exponential growth. They're growing at very high rates simply because they don't have the same controls. Orangeville's popularity, Orangeville's success is spilling out to the smaller towns around it. And you've got a lot of conservation uh, surrounding you, so some wonderful areas. That, right on that, our doorstep. Yeah, which is great because that kind of gives you that, I call it a hedge, but it gives you that protective fence. So again, it, it does it does sustain a modest growth, not one out of control. As you mentioned, some of those other marketplaces, you know, basically we're looking at the GTA goes all the way up to Barrie. You know, in between yeah. that, um, you know, we, we, we see some good infill. And fortunately, you know, I congratulate you on, uh, you know, uh, taking care of Orangeville. You've done a wonderful job and uh, I wish you all the continued success with it. Well, thanks very much. And you are an investment expert. One thing about Orangeville is it's a very secure investment because 
It's a, a small area. It's not going to grow any bigger and very, very strong returns. on. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's a, a good investment and, you know, definitely one of those areas that, you know, I would encourage people to invest in. So by all means, thank you, Mr. Mayor. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That was the mayor of Orangeville, Mr. Uh, Jeremy D. Williams. Awesome to have somebody on actually for two segments with Minutes of the Mayor. And hopefully this shed a little bit more light for you on Orangeville. Remember, each week here, um, you know, we're trying our best to keep uh, the mayors of the GTA coming in and meeting with us and having a chat about their each unique uh, municipalities and what is going on with them. Interesting stuff this week. Lots going on again. Are we in a bubble? Well, you know what? By definition, people are saying, yeah, prices prices are going up so quickly that they're saying it is a bubble. Uh, had a great conversation with uh, Jerry Agar uh, regarding that this week as well. You know what? My take on it is it's not necessarily the same. You know, maybe it's a different bubble, but the question is, can it burst? Well, if supply stays low, demand stays high, there are those people that will always afford the real estate. Keep that in mind. Um, you know, you just have to make sure that if you weigh into this one, make sure that you are not overextending yourself. Yeah, I know you hate the idea that you have to overpay on something, but you know what? Don't push it. You know what? Buy something that needs a little bit of work. You know, get a little sweat equity and you'll be all set. So I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant, as usual. Thanks for keeping it simple, making it easy for me. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in this week as usual. And remember, I will be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. with Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Next week.